Welcome to Daily Daf Different, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I am Avi Strasberg, and today we're on Daf Yudchet, Daf 18, in our study of Masechet Ta'anit. We'll be continuing our analysis of the Mishnah that we read back on Daf 15. There the Mishnah says, Kol For every date that's recorded in Megilat Ta'anit, as one that we should not eulogize upon on the day immediately preceding, it is also forbidden, whereas on the day immediately following, it's permissible. Rabbi Yossi Omer, lepanav ulacharav asur. Rabbi Yossi says, if it says it's forbidden to eulogize on the day itself, it's forbidden both the day before as well as the day after. The Mishnah continues, delalihit ana'a lepanav ulacharav mutar. On the days when it says it's forbidden to fast, on the day itself, it's forbidden, but the day before and after, it's permissible. However, Rabbi Yossi Omer, lefanav asur, leacharav mutar. Rabbi Yossi says, with regard to fasting on these decreed days of holiday, the day before it's forbidden, but the day after, it's permissible. So before we go any further, let's clarify what is this mysterious Megillat Ta'anit, and what are these days that are recorded in it? Megillat Tanit is a chronicle that notes 35 different occasions upon which the Jewish people either performed heroic feats or witnessed miracles performed on their behalf. These dates are noted in the scroll to be forever remembered as days of joy and celebration, and from there on after, the Jewish people are instructed to observe them as happy occasions, days on which it is forbidden to fast and mourn. While there's some debate with regard to the authorship of the Megillah, it likely dates back either to 7 CE, under the authorship of Rabbi Hanania ben Chizkiah, or to 66 CE, under the authorship of Eliezer ben Chizakiah, depending on what source you follow. In addition to the question of authorship and dating, there's also a debate regarding how these days are to be observed. Everyone agrees that on the 35 joyful occasions, it's forbidden for generations after to fast or eulogize on the day itself. However, there's disagreement regarding whether one can fast or eulogize on the day immediately preceding or immediately following. This is exactly the subject of a Gemara today. Just how far does the joy extend before or after? How much of a separation do we need between emotions of sorrow and emotions of happiness? And what does it mean to properly dig in and revel in the remembrance of a miraculous event? According to the Megillah, we have to keep true joy and true sorrow separate. If we are to really commemorate a day of true celebration, there is no room for sadness. If we happen to be in the middle of a serious drought, or if the funeral of a loved one collides with one of these days of remembered joy, Megillah Tani teaches us that joy takes precedence. First, observe a day of celebration with its buffer time of happiness before or after, and then back to the reality of drought and mourning. What does it mean to declare a day a Yom Tov? a day of celebratory remembrance for years to come, and what kind of occasions qualify for this heightened status. 
On Daf 18 in Masechet Tanit, we learn the story of one such day that was turned into a Yom Tov for generations to come. There we read, Be'esrim utmania be' atat besorta tata lihuda'e de la ye'idun min oraita. We learn in Megillah Tanit that on the 28th of the month of Adar, great news came to the Jewish people that they would not need to turn away from the Torah. The Gemara continues to tell the story behind this good news. Shepamachat gazra machut harsha'a shamad al Yisrael shelo ya'asku b'Torah v'shelo ya'mulu et b'nehem v'sheyechalilu shabbatot. That one time a wicked kingdom decreed against the Jews that they should no longer study Torah, circumcise their sons, and that they must desecrate the holy Shabbat. Ma'asa Yehuda ben Shemoa v'chavirav. What did Yehuda ben Shemoa and his friends do? Hachu v'natlu etza mimatronita at achat shakol gedolei romi metuyin etzla. They went and sought the counsel from a particular woman that knew all the Romans that were behind this decree. So what does she say to them? Amralehem amdu v'hifginu belayla. She says to them, go out and protest against the Romans at night. And sure enough, the Jews went out and they protested. Amru, ishamayim lo achim anachnu, lo b'nei av echad anachnu, lo b'nei em echad anachnu. They said, they cried out, are we not brothers, children of the same father, children of the same mother? They then continued, what makes us, the Jewish people, different from any other nation or people that you decree against us these harsh decrees? And miraculously, the Gemara continues, The Romans canceled this harsh decree, and on that day, the Jewish people commemorated as a Yom Tov, a joyous occasion. The Roman government issued a decree that struck at the core of Jewish observance, threatening the fabric of Jewish existence for generations to come. Fearing the worst, the people did not stand idly by, but rather appealed to the Romans from a universal, humanitarian perspective. Are we not the same as you? Do we not share the same origin? As a result, the Romans come around and allow the Jewish people to continue practicing the rituals and observances that give meaning to their lives. This is a cause for celebration not only in their time, but also for all time. The joy of one generation makes for the happiness of generations to come. And just as they observed a day of celebration, refraining from actions that would detract from their joy, so too we must keep our joys and sorrows separate, allowing for a day of pure happiness. Or do we? Is it possible or even desirable to have a day of pure celebration with no space for sorrow? In Masechet Brachot, Rabbi Ada Bar Matna teaches in the name of Rav, in a place of joy, there should be trembling. The Gemara then tells the story of Mar, the son of Ravina, who was making a marriage feast for his son. When Mar saw that the rabbis were growing very happy and that the celebration was out of control with joy, he brought an expensive glass and shattered it before the rabbis. Similarly, the Gemara tells that once Rab Ashi was making a wedding feast for his son, and once again, when everyone was overcome with joy, Rav Ashi broke a glass, introducing a serious moment into the revelry. What does it mean that in a place of joy, there should be trembling? It means that we can never be purely in joy or purely in trembling, but rather wherever there is celebration, 
we must also allow for the gravity of the real world, whether that be the fallen temple or the death of a loved one, or even the reality of drought, to enter into our happiness. In Kohelet, we read, Lekol zman ve'et lekol chepet tachat There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Kohelet continues, A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Kohelet, the book of Ecclesiastes, much like Megillat Tanit, seems to say there's a time and a place for everything. Keep joy and sorrow separate, never shall the two intermingle. In, con- in contrast, Masechet Brachot teaches, in all joy there should always be trembling. Celebration should never be without its gravity. So which is it? How do we hold both of these approaches to joy that we find in our tradition? The poet Yehuda Amichai, in his poem, A Man in His Life, speaks directly to this question. He writes, A man doesn't have time in his life to have time for everything. He doesn't have seasons enough to have a season for every purpose. Ecclesiastes was wrong about that. Amichai continues, A man needs to love and to hate at the same moment, to laugh and cry with the same eyes, with the same hands to throw stones and to gather them to make love in war and war in love, and to hate and forgive and remember and forget, to arrange and confuse, to eat and to digest, what history takes years and years to do. A man doesn't have time. According to Amichai, there's just not enough time in our life to separate all of our human experiences, to contain our happiness for only days of happy and our sadness for only days of sad. Rather, all of these emotions and actions inevitably must intermingle. Lines must blur. We must allow ourselves to feel multiple things at once, torn in different directions. We must celebrate joyous events that occurred in Jewish history while being present to the reality of our time, be that our experience of mourning or scarcity. We must observe the great days of sadness in Jewish history, the falling of the temple or harsh decrees that threaten Jewish existence while being present to the happiness that we are blessed with in our times. Life is not neat, joy and sorrow cannot be contained. But what we can learn from our Jewish tradition, conflicted as it may be on this subject, is permission to sink deeply into the human experiences and the importance of both carrying forward the memories of the past while being open to the realities of the present. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.